My name is Dr. Lindsay Wisner. I'm a psychologist, author, a mom, and still an occasional shit show. You're listening to the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. This is a place for smart, sweary women to talk about stuff that matters, stuff that can make us uncomfortable, but stuff that helps us to learn and grow and be okay with living in that discomfort of not knowing the right thing to say or do all the time. Thanks for listening. You can also find me on Instagram at psychshrinkmom or at neuroticnourishment. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on Neurotic Nourishment and talk to me. Um, I am so excited. I am. Okay, so um, your book, Once Upon an Irish Summer, um, which you challenged me. Wendy texted me like at like 3.30, we're recording at four. And she's like, you know, if you need more time, because it's true, I only got it like four days ago or something. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I... I've actually, I, I read it and I'm on to the next book I have to read for another one. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. But I didn't speed, I enjoyed it. I have, I'm sorry, I hope you don't take this personally, but to me, this is a sign of a good book, but I have like pages marked and like, you know, lines that I loved and like- um, Awesome. Yeah, I'm happy I know. you did that. And my daughter stole the, the flower that came with it. Oh, cute. She stole that immediately. Um, so Wendy released, um, and I, uh, oh, 2020. So re- pretty recently, um, you released Once Upon an Irish Summer. Is this your first fiction piece? Yes, it's my debut novel, and it's considered historical fiction. But um, yes, it's fantastic. Um, and I did. I read it the greatest way, which is well from front to back. But also, I didn't. Um, uh, I, I didn't, like, I had a lot of questions that usually I would have Googled while I was reading, like, what made you interested? Is this a real family? Also, it's a miracle that I actually did read this because we introduced my children to Hamilton, the musical, three oh. weeks ago, and now that's all that's been playing. And so you- Well, on this, on my Hamilton lines, but this is actually on my, my dad's side, so I have Hamilton's on both sides of my family tree. Um, that Hamilton of Hamilton is a sixth cousin, like eight times removed. Hold on, I'm writing it down. Hamilton. <laughs> yes, uh, Al- Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixth cousin, yeah. eight times removed. So, because my daughter reads at a very high reading level, um, mm. and um, my, I, I almost, I, I almost threw up when I saw the word Hamilton because it's all that's been going on in our house for the <laughs> and like we made them stop playing it for twenty four hours and so they sang it. So um, yeah, yeah. So I think she might be interested. I mean, this is clearly a YA novel, but um, you know, yeah. Hey, tell your daughter I saw Hamilton on the front row. So I'm oh, fan too. I know. So jealous though. <laughs> um. You, um, it, it's, yeah, I'm tearing up also. You, you wrote something lovely in your inscription. You wrote, when we find our family, we find ourselves. And I am sure you write that a lot due to your work as, you know, a genetic genealogist and also your interest in research and, you know, all this stuff. And although it's yeah. true, it's also a very heavy concept for some of us. 
Um, yes. You know. So, um, so you had me from the beginning. It was just um, a lot, you know. And so, uh, the spoiler alert is that you are in fact related to the people that you discuss in this book. Yes, in the historical chapters. Yes. Right. So it alternates um, between, uh, for my listeners, it, it alternates between telling the first person story of Beth, who's about to turn um, 16. And yeah, and um, Beth is an artist. And then I learned again at the end, I was like, okay, now let's hear about you. And you are an artist yes. as well. Yes. Yes. Um, and um, Beth is, uh, she's, she goes to live with her grandmother for the summer. Her, um, her grandfather Pops has passed away uh, two years ago, I believe it was. Yes. And um, um, Mimi, who's her grandmother, is working on a, uh, like a, a historical, what is it? She's working on- She's working on a book for a historical society. Right, because we're going to thank you, but for a historical society, <laughs> and she uh, is going to pay Beth to um, to do research from her. There's a lot more reasons that Beth is obviously being, go, you know, going away. And I actually thought that there was underlying problems between mom and dad, and was waiting for that shoe to drop, but it d- did not. Um, so I don't know if that was a part of an earlier draft or if I just made that up in my own head because I'm crazy. Um. <laughs> you know what, just teenage angst, just the, I'm growing up and my parents are making me do something I don't wanna do. I do love them, but ooh, they're really driving me crazy. 100%. Normal teenage stuff. Yeah. And you said you have five daughters. Yes. My one blows my mind. I mean, in an amazing uh, way, but also in a, oh my gosh, how am I gonna survive way? So. Yeah. Um, so three of my five daughters are my bonus daughters who are my husband's daughters. So we combined five girls together when we got married 22 years ago. Wow. And you knew that you were willingly combining five girls together. Yeah, we Uh did it. And we all survived and we actually all really like each other. That's really fantastic. That's how old were the girls when you got married 22 years ago? So they're only five years apart from the youngest to the oldest. So they were five seven, eight, 10, and 10. So it's sort of a great and an awful age to try to combine families. Yes, I think they were young enough that they just had a blast together when we first combined our family. And when they were teenagers, they still had a blast, but you know, they duped it out now and then as girls do. And you know, there was some drama, but that is family life. I don't care what your family looks like. I agree. Also (laughs) research shows that like girls close in age usually have like the worst relationships growing up and then often that changes but so um my children are 26 months apart (laughs) and that wasn't actually close enough for my husband he really was upset that we didn't start trying on my son's first birthday when I just fit back into my jeans so um (laughs) um but so I you know uh anyway so I feel for you but Beth is an only child and um as she starts and she is not into history but obviously the super cute boy Preston is into history um and I have to tell you I'm not into history or so I thought so uh I'm not into history but much like Beth I I think I am into history because on my other true crime podcast 
we purposely don't deal with anything that's really fresh because mm. I just think that that's insensitive. And so I find mm. myself a lot in the eighties or further back. And so, um, you know, and so I definitely, uh, by the end I was like, doodles. I am a history dork too. <laughs> um, you know, and I didn't even realize it. And the same way it changes Beth's perspective on things. It also changed, um, like uh, looking back, setting true crime changes your perspective. Um, fully admit on one of the last days of school, my daughter and I walked by a car that was like front parked by our house and in front of an abandoned house. And I was like, get the license plate. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> Don't, but it had, you know, a little bit paranoid, but also just a little bit more um, mm -hmm. excited. Um, so what, I'll say what inspired this, but there's so much that's easy to pick from your life. You know, I guess why now? What, in, you know? Yeah, well, it was because of the study done by Emory University that shows that, um, well, they did a study with 66 kids and they wanted to find out if they knew the answers to 20 specific questions, uh, what their findings would be on these kids. And what they found was that they had um, higher self-esteem, they got higher grades in school, they had um, more faith in the functioning of their own family, and also they had better outcomes emotionally when they faced crises in their own lives. So they and had so, higher resiliencies. Yes. And so there was an underlying strength in these kids. And that's something that I have known anyways, because I really struggled as a teenager, but I had incredible grandparents and um, they shared stories of many generations back. And I, I come from incredible ancestry and I believe everybody does. And if you look for those stories, you're going to find them and they're going to add to who you are. And so I wrote the book from the perspective of a teenager because if teenagers um, look outside of themselves and look to the people that they come from, they are going to find strength that they can add to a time in their, their life when Sometimes it's not that fun and you really don't know who you are and you really don't know if you should follow the people around you or stick to what you think you should be doing. And so I think when you know your family history stories, it gives you a better sense of who you are. I agree. So the Emory study came out in what year? I'm blanking on it. I did read 2010. it. 2010. Okay. And then, um, and what it basically said was I, the gist of which is where you, where, when you know where you come from and you have a connection to your, the past, and I would say your heritage, um, largely because I live on myheritage.com lately and that's not yeah. an advertisement, but there's a job. I don't know. I like yeah. it, you know? Um, but um, so the idea being that if it can really add, I'm just going to call it a layer of resiliency being the ability to bounce back when things go wrong. Um, yeah. And so it adds, that adds a layer of resiliency and strength and something that um, these, these teenagers by being able to answer questions about, their, you know, their parents or grandparents or family knowledge or, you know, almost like a quiz on a coat of arms if we had coat of arms, but. Um, yes. Yeah, that was, sorry, that was my random reference. Um, but, um, but so yeah, so it got you thinking and then you, I mean, you have a beautiful way with words and also of jumping back between 
voices, it's so clear where you're reading, you know, like I know exactly where I'm reading, which as it should be. Um, uh, beyond the pale, that phrasing, I, I, I knew it. And yet when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's what it means. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have a great grasp of, well, of course you do. I mean, you're a genetic genealogist. So. Oh my, well, thank you. <laughs> what does a genetic genealogist do exactly? <laughs> well, a genetic genealogist takes DNA testing along with traditional genealogical research records that you find, and you combine them to build a family tree based on DNA, and um, you can connect to relatives. A lot of people connect to relatives that they had no idea existed, and that's just say you and I, assuming that you know who your parents are and that your biological parents raised you. I still have connected with cousins that I didn't know existed, even in Scotland and places wow. where I want answers about my Scottish ancestors that I haven't found yet. I've now connected to cousins over there that can help answer those questions for me. But if you're an adoptee who is, um, that's mainly who my clients are. Yes. Want to find their biological families. That's what I do with DNA and genealogical research is I build a family tree and look for people in that tree who are in the right place at the right time to have conceived that child. So there's a lot of detective work that goes on and um, it's a very interesting field to work in. Well, the other thing that occurs to me is, so I, I mentioned, I think before, no, after we had recorded that, um, you know, a lot lately a lot of the cases that we've been covering or that I've been really researching have um, uh, occurred in the 80s and so I'm going to sneeze which will be awkward on a podcast but I'll do it anyway <laughs> and now it's gone um, but so one of the things that I've um, I am nothing if not real um, but uh, so there's this um, there's this case that happened in New York in 1986 um, this young 16 year old girl was the victim of incest and she um, actually paid for uh, another student to kill her father. Um, and um, some people of course did not believe that she had been raped. And then it turned out that she was pregnant and then she miscarried and uh, they were able to test the DNA and prove that it was not her father's, it was her, her boyfriend, but it wasn't a secret that she was, you know. Uh, but so a conversation, we recently released that episode. That's this on Crimes of Long Island podcast, my other podcast, we recently released it. And I do listen to my podcast, um, especially on the other one, because I'm constantly trying to learn. And what's happened is, at, as you know, you get better at your you know, detective work. And so one of the first episodes we recorded where I was like, yeah, I don't know where that guy is now. Now I can find him and tell you where he is now. And so I always listen to try to learn. Um, and my podcast co-host, Mark, said, how do they do that? And could they do that in 1986? You know, because also it wasn't until like 89 that the first... Um, it was, it was actually right around that time, but I think it was 89 that like New York actually allowed it in courts to help, you know, um, it, I happen to know that the case is a Kellyanne Tinia. It's New York is in Nassau County where we're located, but um, DNA is so quickly evolving. And so 
I guess, how did you get into it and when did you get into it? And is that the, ex I mean, that's gotta be the exciting part of your job, but also the sh constantly shifting paradigm, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, so I got into the field because I was halfway through my master's degree in marriage and family therapy when I just was spending so much time researching my family and just finding so much joy in it and traveling to places where my ancestors came from, like England, and finding the, um, the shoe shop on a cobblestone street where my great-great-great-grandfather made shoes. Wow. And um, it, it did something to me. It, it, it's like it switched on switches inside of me that connected me to people that came before me who have paved the way for the life that I have now. Yeah. It, it, it grew gratitude into me. Like it built my soul. It made me happy in ways I've never experienced before. And so I decided I wanted to help families in a different way instead of being, being a therapist. And so I was... Um, I started looking for a graduate degree in genealogy and I found one at the University of London. And um, but it's Brits amazing that you jumped into genealogy. I mean, listen, I, I, I became a psych major and therefore a psychologist because some guy told me not to. Some like very misogynistic <laughs> professor who like gave me a very inappropriate in the Me Too movement, like up and down look when I was oh, like, boy. I'm thinking about majoring, I don't know. And uh, he gave me like an up and down look and was like, don't major, you'll never do anything with it. And so then I walked my young 20 something little pushy downstairs. And, you know, um, you know and so, you. yeah, and it's got a great happy ending. And I love telling that story, but you know, I don't know, genealogy wouldn't have, I don't even know if I knew it existed. I mean. Yeah, well, well people have no idea that it's an actual profession. Oh, no. And I mean, that, I understand it's a profession because yeah, there's a lot of people that don't. And people also don't realize that the Brits are some of the best genealogists in the world because of the feudal system century after century after century. Interesting. Um, the way they passed on land and the way they inherited property and other things over there. They've just been doing a really good job of tracing families for a long time. And I, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I hadn't, it makes absolute sense. And yet it's something I never thought of, you know. And another fact about the Brits, which is amazing, is King Henry VIII was a total jerk in so many ways. Yeah, we know. But, yeah. And so, but he's the reason that um, they started registering births and marriages because he wanted to make money off of those. And so way back then is one of the reasons that anybody started recording anything and why we have records that far back. So yes. sometimes jerks um, are used by, I'm going to say God, because I believe this, sure. to produce things down the road that are amazing. A hundred percent. I, um, I, re I, re a hundred percent. I do think, you know, God, higher power, whatever anyone chooses to call it. I just like, only because I like to leave it open, but I think we've got, there's weird paths for us that are crafted by someone and, and every religion actually agrees on that. We just argue over the minutia. So, um, so true. yeah, right. Like we all agree <laughs> on the fundamentals, right. And, um, but that's really interesting because that, um, obviously I would have no reason to ever know that, but it's also interesting because when I do type stuff up on my heritage, you know, okay, they should pay me as a commercial. Um, but when I do look up stuff, Oftentimes, 
I'll get a lot of, um, you know, uh, British and or separate place, but Canadian, you know, uh, inaccurate responses or like almost matches and it's largely British and a little bit Canada. And so I'm like, I wonder if there's a connection there because they were doing it better than, you know, first and better and all that stuff. So, um, that's yeah, really so like in the book, a lot of people immigrated into Canada first. Yeah. So there's a right. lot of crossover and people that descended from the Brits. So, yeah. Yeah. I did catch that. And my, um, my knowledge of geography and history, it's always been the worst because it's been, now I know because it's so much to memorize and, you know, my brain <laughs> didn't, um, my brain doesn't like the yays or nays. My brain likes creativity because I can grasp it better. Um, but uh, I also stink at geography and once had an argument with my husband that technically we're all islands and he couldn't prove me wrong. So there you go. Um, <laughs> we're all islands or peninsulas. That's it. That's all I got. Um, I um, But yes, I loved, um, uh, there was so many like fates slash fortuitous moments in this where, um, you know, you touched on the like Irish, um, the anti-Irish sentiment. Yeah. I don't know the right word. Yes. Um, and yet you you made it something something to be aware of, but you also pointed out that there were people who were kind and that there were, you know, like it's a great um, read for a great, I don't know, for this, for this age group. I don't know if it's a middle age or middle or YA because I stink at knowing the difference between those categories, but either way, I mean, I'm, I would give it to my, I will give it to my uh, almost 11 year old to read it. And I'm going to mm -hmm. seduce them with the Hamilton reference. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Do what you have to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, but I, you know, I also, I have to tell you, like, I, I cried for these people and now I feel much better knowing them uh, that they were real. Not mm -hmm. Beth, obviously, but like that the historical fiction, the, is that what we're calling it? Right. The historical yes, fiction that when they were real. Yeah. And uh, typhus. I mean, I am sure someone forced this down my throat when I was in school. And yet, um, again, it was too much information, too many battles. Like, I don't, I don't know what goes on. I still don't understand the plot of Hamilton, the musical, honestly. I pulled up mm. Wikipedia and started trying to like go through it and figure out what was real and what was not real. <laughs> and then they get mad at me when I don't know people's names. And I'm like, yeah, I don't understand. Um, yeah. But so you start, was your, so you started with the purpose of, um, okay, I have to ask a question. Um, so you got, you are in your second marriage of 22 years. Yeah. Um, not that the first was, but regardless, was, did you switch careers at the same time as, um, you know, for personal, did that affect? Going something? through the divorce and, and everything like that? Yeah. No. So um, originally when I got my um, bachelor's degree in psychology, my intent was to help blended families blend that was my wow. whole reason because it's hard and a lot of marriages when in families fail because it's so hard. And so that was my purpose in wanting to help people. But 
like I said, I had a huge epiphany and changed my mind. And it's been one of the greatest adventures of my life. But was the, was the, was the change before or after your, your first marriage ended? That's what it I was mean. many years after I was Fine. already married to my second husband. Yeah. 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 But um, I will tell you that when I decided to become a professional genealogist, I didn't know that the field of genetic genealogy existed because it was so new. Right. But I ended up finding the biological family of my husband's father. He was adopted. Wow. And then I knew that I wanted to become a genetic genealogist. I wanted to give people what we had, or at least the truth about their family, because we were welcomed with open arms by an incredibly wonderful family who said, Tom, we wish you would have found us earlier. And th this is usually the story for my clients. And sometimes it's not, but at least they know the truth of their origins and their roots. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, listen, I can I can certainly imagine many roots not being um not being the greatest or based on what you find. And um, but I also think that a lot of adoptees don't do well, possibly in part because of the Emory study, or possibly I'm wrong and it's a skewed perspective, or possibly, I don't know. I just know like in my personal in my personal life, like people that I've known, like I know some amazing people that were adopted and I know some people that really struggled and that one thing they have mm -hmm. in common is that whole adopted factor. There's also the age of adoption. We know there's other factors like, you know, best case scenario is under seven and obviously the younger is the better. Um, but there's another thing that factor that plays in which is there is this tendency of adoptees like, sometimes right after you adopt a child you have a biological child you know and the thought yeah. process being like stop getting so stressed and have a baby you know um <laughs> and i can totally understand that but um you know uh i think sometimes that goes really well i mean that's a huge i was gonna say that's a huge responsibility on the parents shoulders but it's just as huge as suddenly getting stepkids so it's the same thing. And yet I don't find the same stepchild um, pattern, I guess, emerges. And again, I'm not basing this yeah. on research right now. I don't think we should do research like that because it will be shaming and awful. And so, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but in my personal experience, like I, I, I will say like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, maybe it's 50-50 and I'm misreading either way. As you said, if we can give people some knowledge, it it really does change them. Yeah. It does. And I think what it really comes down to is it's filling the hole in your personal story, in, in, in your identity. Right. And um, it also what it comes down to is we're all part of the human family tree. And somewhere back in time, we all have the same common ancestor. And I don't care what race you are. And I don't care how you identify yourself. We're all part of the same family. So if you're adopted, you're, that's your family. It doesn't matter if um, you are related to them through birth in that generation. You're still related to them somewhere back in time. That's a really nice way to look at it, especially when we're living in such a time where like 
whether we're talking about a, a non-binary gender identification or a um, sexual gender identification or a, you know, I, I recently interviewed someone and um, uh, she, she, Jamie Beebe, she does a, a podcast called Strictly Stalking and they give people who have been stalked the chance to speak out. And so it's really great mm -hmm. and it's really serious and it's, um, I like it a lot. Um, my biggest criticism is Jamie has to be more comfortable to speak out. But I told her that 10 times when I interviewed her, which probably means she'll never talk to me again. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, but like Jamie is a real advocate for um, domestic violence awareness, stalking awareness and all of these things. And one of the things on her, um, her link tree, you know, was uh, um, Black Lives Matter. And when I was listing it, she said, that doesn't mean I don't support the police. And I was like, hold on, why do we have to do that? Like, why are right. we at a time when we have to point that out? And it happened with another guest also, who he, uh, um, Evan Jarshauer, who he, uh, he appeared on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which is not my personal cup of tea, good for you if it's yours like uh, up until two oh years ago I watched the bachelorette or bachelor so I can't I'm not judging reality <laughs> television I'm just saying like I don't like fashion or makeup so we we've crossed the line but he appeared on an episode where he did some sort of an intervention and he's um very active in like uh helping people who don't want to be helped with substance abuse and mental health issues and oh, so okay. when I asked him about the Kardashian thing, because you have to, and obviously I had to put it in the title of the episode, which I happened to release today, but whatever. Um, but um, <laughs> he, he's like, uh, yeah, I mean, all I can say is back then it was really real. And it felt very, I was like, pause. Why did you think I was attacking you? You know, because we all keep, or why did you think I was looking to, I don't know, to, to form this polarity, you know? And so... I love what you said because of how how ready we are to like jump on people these days. You know, now we've got the yeah. vaccines, the masks, it's all going cray cray. So, um, yeah. but so I love what you said and it's a great thing to be able to look at it as it is. You know, when I discuss, like I teach classes on OutSchool, which is a teaching platform and I started doing it last summer because I needed my brain to keep moving so that I didn't lose my mind. And um, I was talking to kids all over the country and it was cool and teaching psychology stuff to kids who like are interested is great. And they want to know what the frontal lobe does. And I'm like, oh my God, I can tell you. So, um, but um, you know, it's something that uh, I explain racism sometimes in terms of like back when we were cavemen, people who shared our genetics were more likely to look like us and more likely to want the same thing, but we're not cavemen anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And so your nope. genetic, I'm making a circle with my hands, listeners, um, your genetic, you know, encompassing of all of us being part of the same family is really nice. It, it really is true though. And Individually, we can control our own thoughts and actions, and we do not have to buy into the division. I agree. I agree. And also, we can respect other people's... Yeah. And be kind. Yeah, just choose. For the people that do rant about it every single day, 
step away or be kind if you're going to be in it. I agree a hundred percent. Um, I have to ask you about the DNA. Listen, true crime. Come on, help me out here. Um, so I'm, I'm obsessed with a crime that took place in, um, in my neighborhood, 2.5 miles from my house. I know because I walk there often and force my children wow. and husband to walk there too, to the murder house. Um, wow. and then I found out it's not just me that calls it the murder house. It's everyone that grew up here. Um, but I did Makes not grow up here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't grow up here, so this is all new to me. Um, but part of the thing that gets me is it most all signs point to one suspect, and Mm-mm. all signs point to the soon-to-be ex-husband. Not surprisingly, and then that getting, you know, and then um, the investigation just gets dropped. And there were uh, in Nassau County, New York, in 1989 which is a few years later, we had all of 18 detectives working to cover, I posted it yesterday, it's over 1 million people, I believe, who are living there. Or I'm totally wrong and I'm just misquoting. But the point is wow. like we had a huge influx of people coming and only 18 detectives. And so mm-hmm. um, I am busting my butt to try to get some FOIL or FOIA, depending on where you, what state you're at, you know, to get information. Suddenly I'm an investigative journalist. I don't know what happened. Like, <laughs> but honestly, I woke up one day and decided to be a podcaster and clearly woke up one day and decided to prove some wrong me a psychologist and impulsively co-authored a book. And that's sort of how I got my blog on psychology today as well. So apparently this I love is my, it. Yeah, this is my shtick. I just do it. Um, You're passionate about it. I'm very passionate about things. Uh, I also did my yoga teacher training this past year twice. Oh. I didn't like my first experience and it's on my bucket list <laughs> and everyone's like so are you teaching I'm like no no I'm not teaching but I'm interested in it I totally get it <laughs> you pursue what you're interested in and this whole world is full of the most amazing things to pursue right right yeah. and I can't that's the thing like I can't blame I, I sadly had to stop my daughter she was um composing a musical and I was like, you know, you can't do that while I'm podcasting. And I felt awful. But <laughs> um, so can you tell me a little bit about um, the, the DNA and cold case files? Because obviously it depends on the case and whatnot. And don't be surprised if like around the time I air this, I send you a little link and be like, what do you think I should be asking for, looking for here? Well, so... Because I, I, I don't know of the controversy, so I'm curious. Okay, so Parabon Nano Labs, um, they are the front runner in helping to solve cold case files. And in the world of genealogy, so amongst my colleagues, um, there's been a lot of controversy because there are five main companies that have people's DNA in their databases. And my heritage is one of them. And you're, you're, you said you're on my heritage every day. I am, I am. I just, I, yeah. an ad popped up, I clicked, so. Yeah. And so the controversy is that um, people are worried about our DNA being used to solve crimes without our personal permission. And um, of course that is an actual question and it's a valid question. Is, is our DNA being used to solve crimes without our permission? And um, you have to opt in now, I believe, 
to some of these companies um, and, and give your permission for your DNA to be looked at if there's a crime involved with somebody that is closely enough related to you that your name is coming up as a match on their DNA list. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm, but I, it does. My sort of blank look on my face is actually me, like my eyes going to the left and trying to figure out the Golden State Killer, maybe. Was that how they solved it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Thank yep. you. So um, that was what I was trying to do. I have a lot of random knowledge about true crime in my head and it comes out at weird times. Um, so that is how they <laughs> solve that, right? They, um, yeah. uh, I'm sure there's a million of them, but that's the one that I was pausing to think about. And mm -hmm. so the idea being, well, can I ask which side do you fall on? If you do. I do fall on this side of, um, if my DNA was used to solve a cold case file, I would absolutely say yes, and here's why. If you put your shoes, put yourself in the shoes of a person who has a loved one who's been murdered or who has been missing, and there are remains out there that could be that person, they have zero answers for, and the pain yeah. that goes along with those answers not being answered, if I can help that family get an answer, I would do it in a heartbeat. I, I, so I asked tentatively because to me, this was a no brainer, not to say that there isn't another valid argument to be made. Sure. But this also reminds me of the, um, the right to not wear a mask or the right to not get vaccinated, which are rights, but also put, there's a, um, all of these rights involve putting something before something, you know? Um, and so I think you and I are in agreement on this particular issue of the DNA that it's putting someone else's needs before ours. Would it be embarrassing to suddenly find out that, no, I would not be embarrassed to suddenly find out that Jack the Ripper was a long lost re relative because right now that's my passion. But like, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, no family or family history is devoid of scandal. I've learned Freaky that. clean. Nope. No, mm -mm. no. Um, and, and the scandals in our family trees, they also define us. They add to what, what choices do we make? Do we uh, repeat that history or do we change it in our generation? I agree. Um, and I think that's going to be the title of this episode, um, which is why I take notes um, because you always come up with, it's, guests always come up with their own titles. It's great. Um, I think that is phenomenal. Um, thank you so much. I love this book. Again, Once Upon an Irish Summer, I posted it on TikTok. It was like my third, I think I have four followers now. So, you know. All right. It's getting <laughs> up there. Um, thank you, Wendy. And I'm going to include in my show notes all of the places that, um, we can find you, um, but what's the best way to get a con in contact with you if someone is looking to find out about their, you know, if they're an adoptee or they just want more information about their own family? You can go to my website, knowmyroots.com. And that's K-N-O-W. Yes. That seems self-evident, but I like to spell everything out. out of room, you know? That's smart. <laughs> and I'll just make a plug for the sequel. To Once Wait, oh, stop time. it. Really? It doesn't involve Preston. It's going to release in November. It's more about Preston and Beth and it, a lot of it focuses on his sick mother. I had so many, oh, I'm so hanging. I'm very, so November yeah. of this year. 
Yes, and then the historical chapters go back in time to Alan Hamilton's little sister that gets left behind in Ireland. It's her story. I'm so excited because I want to know that. I'm such a dork. This is my favorite moments of podcast where I get to find out information that I wanted to know. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, Wendy. Give me a second. Thanks for listening to the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, shout from rooftops, smoke signals, hot air balloons, whatever. I'll take any of it. Uh, And if you really like what you're listening, why don't you become a patron? Join our Patreon. Visit us at patreon.com backslash neurotic nourishment. Thanks. Thanks.